welcome back to the EXP podcast. I'm joined by my co-host Luan. Hello. And on this episode, we have Glad and Michael with us, and we're going to be discussing the topic of career advice. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves, Michael, do you want to start us off? Sure. Hello, I'm Michael. I work as uh, an art craft manager at EA Dice in Stockholm and have been doing so for almost three years now. Um, started out doing uh, different kind of um, like art stuff, uh, mainly as a 3D artist. Uh, I've also worked uh, with a couple of different game educations and uh, things like that in the UK and then moved back a couple of years back to join DICE and yeah. Awesome, and Glad. I'm Andreas Glad and I have a career, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm an uh, effects artist at Embark Studios, uh, also in Stockholm. Uh, I've been uh, doing effects for, don't want to think about it, about 13 years, I think. I've uh, been doing it a couple of different studios, uh, tried to get out of games a couple of times, but realized that games is way too much fun, so I'm, I'm staying now. Um, I've stopped trying to escape. Uh, I also worked at DICE a while back, and I've worked at uh, Codemasters and Eurocom and a bunch of stuff. So you guys briefly touched on some of your past there, but um, how about for to start us off, do you, um, you want to go into a bit more detail about how you guys got into the game industry so perhaps your first jobs or what where you initially kind of like uh started off um should we start off with michael sure so i studied uh like i guess like art or game art um at a vocational school in sweden north of sweden and did my internship at a studio called fatshark here in stockholm as well and uh, after that, I did some different kind of freelancing jobs, different mobile games. And then I moved to the UK and worked with uh, one of the game development schools over there, which was like combined uh, game education with like small kind of um, like professional commercial projects, uh, a lot of gamification apps and, and things like that. Um, and then worked for another uh, kind of educational institution uh, across the UK and then finally uh, which is where I am right now uh, which is working as a as an art craft manager at at Dice um so i guess my path was you know wanting to be an artist uh and then becoming a manager uh which is you know if, if i look back on that i would probably be disappointed but i actually find it to be uh you know a, a perfect uh kind of combination of uh, working with a lot of different people trying to solve a lot of different kind of challenges and um yeah i really enjoy it i think a lot of people end up going that way right where they'll start off and be like yeah i'm gonna be a whatever a art director one day and then go eh, more and more into managing and then like yeah you know what kind of enjoyed this i enjoy like enabling the team or you know that kind of stuff so it's a it's a good perspective to have yeah exactly um and i mean whenever you're starting out you never like you always i suppose you think you're you know exactly what you want so um when i started out i imagined myself like i only want to work on you know these kind of games or i only want to do this particular kind of art style but then as soon as i actually started working professionally i did 
everything but what I thought I would do when I, you know, started out. Uh, so, and then, you know, your life takes different twists and turns and you try different things and, you know, it's the, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know, that yeah. old adage. Uh, but I, I think it holds true. Absolutely. Mikael, w- were you at PSQ? You set a school up north. Yes, I was. Oh, I was. you're the enemy. <laughs> you have to drop out of this now. <laughs> no, I'd like to settle this in combat right now. <laughs> okay, bring it. So you were at uh, Future Games or Game Assembly? So, so the, the precursor ah. to Future Games and Game Assembly. Ah, oh yes. But PSQ was around back then. Why don't you take yeah. us through then, like uh, how you got to that place and how you left and where you've bo- gone? Natural segue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Perfect. <laughs> we haven't planned this at all. <laughs> uh, sure thing. Uh, I went to a vocational school as well, but I went in the south of Sweden, where we were all cool and not lame like the northern people. <laughs> um, and we was for like three D graphics, so it wasn't quite a gaming uh, education it was more just general graphics but we had programming as well um so it was a two-year course and like this last six months or something is supposed to be uh what's it called internship yeah uh, so i was starting to gear up to apply for internships and stuff like that and over the summer uh, leading up to that i had done a a short project with uh, producer uh, Joseph Fares, who's doing uh, Brothers and Way Out now. So we did a project with him, just as students. Uh, so I, I was putting together a showreel uh, to start applying for internships, and I put that up on YouTube. And before, well, I think I sent a couple of applications, but not many, and I didn't get any replies yet. And then all of a sudden, I get a, a random, like, cold mail with the subject line hello dot 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 okay this is spam but let's check it because i'm desperate right now um and apparently that was from uh, uh, the director of a game studio called eurocom uh and that was in, in the uk so they flew me over for an interview and offered me a job before i flew back home so i got lucky that's pretty much my whole yeah, that's, thing. A, that's a pretty lucky way in yeah so did so, you fly back home or did you just stay there? I like did fly back home. Okay. I, I did. Might as well stay, look at apartments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Buy a house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what you do as a junior. <laughs> that's <laughs> traditional way in. No, I mean, it, it was the perfect timing as well because I was freshly dumped and ready to just move the fuck away from everywhere. So yeah, I went for it. So my first ever real job was in a different country so that was interesting that's always a good first job to have though like it gives you a really wide like uh, i guess view of the world so to speak and what other cultures are like so it's quite quite helpful Mm. yeah for sure now that was fun it it was a weird studio because we were we did a lot of like contract work for other publishers so i worked for like a bunch of different giant publishers and that meant that the games were quite varied. So the first game I ever worked on was Ice Age 3. And since I was in a centralized team, that meant that I was on it just making effects to the very last day. And then Drop Dead came, okay, hands off the project, day after, move on to the next one, which was Dead Space Extraction. That was a, a bit of a jarring change. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gone from the happy animals to the zombies in space, blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to mix up any of those assets like you put the wrong thing in, in the wrong game. Speak for I mean, yourself, I kind of kind of what you did. Yeah, <laughs> which direction you mix it. Whichever, it works either way, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Best crossover. Uh, so where'd you so, go from there then? You said uh, you quit a few times. So let's continue uh, yeah, your well, career. <laughs> well, I stayed in the, in the industry. Uh, I stayed at Eurocom for like three years. Uh, then I moved to Codemasters uh, in Leamington. Mm. Didn't stay there for, there for very long. I was only there for my six months or something because uh, at that same time i got an offer from dice to come over and help out with battlefield and i was quite keen on doing that because uh, making battlefield machinimas was pretty much the reason i went <laughs> to the vocational school anyway so <laughs> that seemed like a good thing to do so i moved back to sweden and uh, started working at dice after shipping a couple of battlefields I decided that I want to try something else and moved to the north of Sweden and started studying mechanical engineering because that's something you do. I thought you said the north of Sweden was bad. Yeah, it was yeah, lame. I, I've left it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, so I moved up there and I started up my freelancing business on the side because I didn't want to lose touch with the industry. Uh, about a year in, I realized that I am, I'm not studying for anything. I'm just doing the freelance stuff. So maybe I should stop like attending university and go back to games full-time uh, so i did came back down to stockholm and joined uh, ubisoft and then i stayed there for a couple of years and this is probably like two three years or no a year ago or something like that but two three years uh, the last few years the um, real time within film has started to become more of a thing and i was really interested in that so uh, I joined Goodbye Kansas, which is a VFX house, uh, so make some trailers and stuff like that. So I wanted to see how far can you push real time when you don't have to make it run on a platform that's 10 years old. Yeah. So I tried that for a while and realized that that's, that's no fun. I, I, I like the challenge of making it run on a platform that's 10 years old. So uh, I went back to games. So now I'm at Embark and I'm having the best best time ever. So... It's it's been a weird path, but it's taken me to a good place. I would uh I would like to inquire a little bit more into the what makes you decide to do what was it mechanical engineering or something like that. Yeah, what yeah. a thought process got you to that place? Oh boy, how long do you got? <laughs> hey, we got we got as long as you want. Let's go. <laughs> no, I mean mechanical engineering was always my plan. I was like a real. I studied a lot when I was a kid and I did very well in school. So the plan was I'm going to be an engineer or a scientist or something like that. And then over the years, I started to get the feeling like, I mean, games, is that really a real job? And I started to feel like, yeah, maybe it's time to start pursuing a proper career. Um, and it spiraled from there. And then I realized that games is a proper career. And <laughs> here we are. Yeah, all right. All right. We all make mistakes, okay? <laughs> yep. Every One of them day. was leaving dice. Hey, now, I left before you arrived. I, mm -hmm. I didn't know. Well, anytime you want to come back, just let me know. <laughs> this became a recruitment show all of a sudden. <laughs> By the end of this, both me and Tim will also be at dice. <laughs> hey, we are looking for people. I mean... Who I isn't? Yeah. <laughs> so you both sort of took 
a paths that you perhaps didn't initially uh, initially expect that you would be on, um, which uh, I, I guess is probably quite common for a lot of people across the games industry because it's quite a non, you know, I guess a non-standard industry overall. Um, there's a lot of a lot of yeah, it's not quite the same as working at a bank, you know, and working your way up. Um, no, exactly, uh, and uh, I think maybe. Is one of those uh, industries where, uh, at least, I've seen uh, a lot of people move up to, you know, maybe senior or director kind of roles, only then to move back into more production-focused roles because they realized, uh, oh well, climbing this kind of career ladder actually made me maybe go too far away from what I really enjoy doing. And I think that's really interesting. Like, I don't know too many other industries where that's the case. A lot of others, other industries, uh, at least to my knowledge, are very linear. And, you know, you have this ladder to climb and and climbing the ladder is, you know, it's, it's expected. And that's, I assume, that what most people want. Whereas within games, um, seeing as it's, you know, creative industry where it's not, of course, to some extent, it will be about money because you need to be able to, you know, survive, right? And then maybe you also then want a bit more money because it's it's nice. But then at a certain point, you stop caring about it, or at least I think some people do. And then it's it becomes way more uh, about just doing exactly what you enjoy doing. And for some, it probably is like that throughout the entire career. Uh, and maybe the financial kind of considerations like have never been that much of a consideration but i just find it quite interesting how how some people move between those kind of uh like levels of seniority um fairly frequently i think that's a, that's a thing that you've really got to finally balance right whether you have enough savings for whatever it is that you want to do later in your life or maybe you just get enough that you you know you get by but that's all right with you like it's, I think everyone is so different in that situation. But um, uh, from my experience, I've mostly met people that ha- have always wanted more money, right? And then they, like, like you said, you get more money, you get more responsibility, and you end up maybe in a in a role that you're just. It almost becomes that I guess job that you do for the sake of it, for the for the money. It's no longer a job that you're doing for passion, right? Because I guess games is very much a passion industry. But um, I I wonder where I think most if a lot of burnout comes from that kind of stuff, right? Uh, from you wanting more and more and more and more money uh, and going less and less and less into the career that you really kind of wanted to, and you just end up burning out, and it's a it's a bit of a hard thing to balance. That is. Oh man, I'm I'm so the other way around i don't care about money i mean as long as i have what i need to live and be be comfortable i'm super happy uh, but i've been jumping up and down like a jojo in seniority like i mm-hmm. got my first senior title when i'd worked for like three and a half four years that's no time to give someone a senior title and put them in excel i mean that was just a bad move for me that was one also one of the reasons that i didn't stay at codemasters i think because I ended up in a, a role that was too far away from just making effects, which is what I want to do. But have you found that um, senior titles are more 
like you said, because you brought up Excel specifically, right? So I'm assuming that that's your 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 precise experience. Um, have you found that a lot of other senior titles are like that, or is that sort of just your circumstances in that situation? It, yeah, I I find that it tends to trend that way. I mean, it's not what I ended up in was more. I don't know. It was early in a project, so it was almost more of a lead slash pre-prod sort of a, a role. But a lot of senior responsibilities does become more planning oriented, even though most of it might be on a uh, lead as well. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I definitely find that the the sort of leads tend to be more on the on the uh, sort of Excel train the schedule strain you know hey hey dude let's have a call about your schedule sure let's go i got art to do but no problem um you know yeah yeah and and the bigger the projects the bigger the teams the bigger the company often the more meetings and the more planning and the more schedule you'll need to have as well so it's i think important to consider that when you are thinking about your you know your career if it, if it's if what matters is the title then you can end up being disappointed with something that you find that really you know this is a good title nice title to have being a, you know a lead or a, a director or whatever it can be but that it doesn't just mean that you are you know somehow you've proven that you're really good at doing whatever it is that you started out doing and here we want to reward you for doing a really good job so here you take a nicer title it's also going to come with a completely different uh, kind of responsibilities and you know job duties as well so uh, i think you should consider that when when <laughs> you know be ca careful what you wish for essentially mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and titles mean so such different things at different companies I yeah. think I'm trying to recall, and my my path was junior to artist, to senior artist, to associate artist, back to artist, up to associate lead, and then I took some time off to lead, and then lead, and now I'm back to just artist. So it just it doesn't matter. <laughs> Titles yeah. are just meh. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. It's. Uh... As long as you're doing your art and as long as your you know your efforts are being recognized, yeah. right? That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. Well, I went from intern to freelancing artist to manager to manager. <laughs> so you know, and I I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was just like, yeah, this is this is a job. I've got a job now. This is my title. Okay, I'll do what I can and do my best, and then somehow got another job same kind of you know responsibilities and then it's like how did i end up here but yeah life is strange oh, that's the that you can't say that it's copyrighted by don't nod um okay. <laughs> well um i've 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 been sponsored by them <laughs> okay we're good sponsored by don't nod <laughs> I think it can happen a lot when people fall into a position. Um, someone leaves and they, they try and replace someone. And, and I think this can happen with kind of uh, lead roles, especially where it's sort of like, oh, 
this guy's left and we need to replace him. Um, and, and people kind of can get pigeonholed into that position that they aren't necessarily um, even wanting to, to, to do. Uh, you're saying when they, when they handed you the, the Excel sheets to start uh, doing stuff and, and if you wanted to be focusing on um, on on your craft and on, on the art and that's your day-to-day and then suddenly half your day's gone managing everyone else's schedules that's uh i think that that can be kind of a problem in terms of where you want to be in your day-to-day um but it's it's something i've seen a few times it doesn't seem unusual for people to end up kind of being funneled down a, a path into doing something or like becoming more senior and gaining more responsibilities than they perhaps wanted to get is that kind of anything either of you have experienced before where you feel like you've been pushed towards i mean glad you mentioned at the beginning about the the codemaster stuff but um yeah have you have you seen that kind of thing with with anyone else you've worked with or experienced it yourselves yes oh yeah people <laughs> promoted away from the position that they're good at and a lot of people suffer from that like per, if you really want to go for promotions like look into going for a principal or expert role if you don't really feel like meetings and planning and budgeting is something that you want to focus on because if you was just want to do that kind of on the side then you're not going to be a great lead because you need to be dedicated to actually taking care of your team yes when once you end up in the lead role you your art is not the important part it's the output of your department because that's what you're responsible for and it's just a different set of tools that you need to work with exactly so it's the the whole thing where you know the best artist doesn't necessarily make the best lead because at the end of the day it needs to be you know if you're going to be in charge of a team if you're going to be in, you know in charge of what other people do you need to really want to have that responsibility, you need to want to work with people and to support people and to be there and, uh, you know, not be the one uh, doing everything for someone, but actually supporting them in order to to do that themselves and 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 be the kind of, you know, the the safety net for for those individuals. And I'm not sure if everyone always like understand that. I know maybe maybe it's because. You know, as an industry, we're not you know, as mature when it comes to what these different roles actually mean. Like, because titles can mean different things at different studios, like, like we said. And it just seems like <clears throat> that, that kind of thing isn't talked about as much as it ought to be. You know, the reason for someone going into a career working with, you know, games, um, that person is probably doing that because they really enjoy doing the you know the art or the, the kind of coding or design or whatever it might be so once you take that out is it still the job that you that you thought you wanted or you know it's still the job that you enjoy doing um for some i think it is because you can discover new things and you know that that's your like you, you can f- you feel pride in the fact that your efforts are multiplied through others and that you know you you become an enabler rather than a doer um but if what's most important is that you can take credit for something like point to an asset or point to something and say this is what i've done then maybe it's maybe it's not the right you know path i guess a lot of people do like you say 
realize halfway through is like either they become satisfied with having done X amount of work somewhere or, you know, they just turn around and they go, yeah, I could do with doing a little bit less art and focusing more on people, I guess. So I think it's, it can both be a natural transition, but also something that they can get forced into, of course. So it's tricky, that one. I think it's up to the company to support them as they, you know, they have their, their reviews, their performance reviews, whatever, you know, each company does it a bit differently, but like maybe it's up to them to talk then and there about what they want to actually want to do within the company and what they, what, where their career should actually go. So I think it's really up to the company and their performance review, view etiquettes and, you know, their, um, I guess their progress uh, reviews with the artists to sit down and be like your lead or your directors, whatever your line managers sit down with you and be like, so where do you want to go? What do you want to do in this, um, in your career? And I guess they can really work it out then. But um, I think if a lot of companies don't have a good support, I guess, in place, that's when people start falling into the roles that they didn't quite want to do. And it was more of a convenient role for the company to put them in because they needed to fill or, you know, whatever else. So have you guys found that some companies maybe don't support the artists or, you know, not just the artists, but whoever else, the worker as much? Yeah, um, well, uh, um, I I can just give like one example of something that, um, you know, I've kind of experienced recently, which is kind of the, or rather like the, not the, this is um, like a negative, but rather like a positive way of doing this is to actually start offering the kind of leadership training to individuals who are interested in a potential lead role later down the line, way ahead of that opportunity actually presenting itself. So when you do have these conversations with your manager about your career and someone maybe indicates that, well, yeah, I'm doing, having a lead role on uh, either like a, a live service or a DLC or something that's maybe a bit more, um, not as like much crunch time, maybe a bit softer, you know, an e- easier start uh, would be a good idea. And then like when you if, when you do decide that and you think, yeah, this is something I would be interested in, then you can actually start offering that kind of training, you know, talking more about, uh, you know, the coaching and, uh, you know, giving uh, constructive feedback and, you know, all the different processes that maybe a company might have when it comes to, uh, you know, mentorship and onboarding and, and, and all of that stuff. I mean, every company does it differently um, and the responsibilities will differ probably wherever you go. But I think doing that, it then becomes less of a shock to the system when you, you do, f- you know, start facing the you know real realities of, of being a, a lead uh, and you can actually you actually feel a bit more prepared but you also feel like you're not just being dropped into like a really deep end of the pool which i think is the case for um of course not, not everyone but i'm sure um a lot of people have felt that felt that way that you know they didn't realize just how tough it would be and it just feels like you know oh this sounds like a great opportunity and this sounds really fun and then all of a sudden like oh shit like i did not think it would be this difficult uh you know everything that needs to you know all the meetings all the planning all the scheduling all the you know searching for answers and finding you know, uh, solutions to problems and um 
taking all that stress and be you know having to, you know acting like that shield between the artists and you know producers or yeah. uh, project managers or whatever it can be uh, so actually getting getting that support beforehand not only does it make people probably more willing to take on that kind of role because they know there's like they will get support ahead of them actually facing the the line of fire but it actually then does prepare you as well so um yeah you need to you need to, you need to want people to want to to do this otherwise yeah, it's exactly. not going to work i mean i sort of agree i did agree that there should be support and you should get lead training and all of that uh but at the end of the day who knows what they want i mean you don't know if you're going to enjoy the lead role until you've actually done it so I think it's more important that this is a company supports you to try it out and just have a feel of it. Like, is this something for me and can I develop further and get lead training and all of that stuff. But even more importantly, if I feel that, no, this is not my thing. I just want to make really cool art. Then that should be an option to just step aside and take another role. I think that's more important. Otherwise you'll lose people. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. But say you become like whatever a, a senior artist, and you are just focused on doing art, and you're, you're having a good time, and you love the company and you love what you're doing. But where do you go from there then? Like, if you still want to progress and you still want to have more responsibility within your art, whatever it may be, um, do you just then, I guess, accept that this is your role now and it's about as high as it gets, and you just gain more money each year, or do you then have to jump ship to find, I guess, uh, if you're looking for that extra satisfaction or extra career progression within just making art, like, for example, a principal artist, right? Yeah, but I mean, lead is just one of the forks. Like at senior, it does fork. Uh, so you can go into the management side or you can just push through to expert or principal, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And if your company doesn't have that, make them add that track. I mean, yeah, it sucks fair. losing uh, really good artists, so it's better to make sure that you have a progression for them in place. If that sort of thing is important to your artist, I mean, make sure that it's there. You you need to support that sort of thing. Yeah, so that's on the company. And if they won't, I mean, go somewhere where they do. <laughs> just... Yeah, but I think even even then, with those kind of. Um kind of career levels you know you have the you know the, the classical you know you have the lead role and that can then often go into more like a director role and then you have the kind of the, the senior role which is you know more based uh, still like a production more production based role in a, in a project and then the next step from that it, at some companies they have that kind of principal or expert role but then depending on the company that role can be more about you know doing benchmarks and um, pushing the workflows and the pipelines for your craft and, you know, documentation and knowledge sharing and, you know, setting examples of what other people should be doing in the future. And even, even that, even though that might, you know, be a perfect kind of mix between the, the two, that can also maybe take you to a far away from, you know, working in a working in a project because then you're kind of detached from the, the you know you see everyone else around you in in the projects working on the really cool stuff and and maybe you think you know 
researching this or pushing this particular thing maybe that's not exactly what i want to doing i want to do more like i want to do you know just hard surface modeling but you know uh, maybe the the responsibilities for that particular role is more broad so you know it's uh i think it, it again like it, it boils down to you know understanding what the role actually implies and what your kind of what the expectations for that role is and make sure that you're okay with that as well mm. because in our heads i think we can make up these roles to like you know this sounds awesome i want to be the captain and then you realize like being captain actually that's not that, you know that that much fun it's just responsibilities and you know it's way too serious now so yeah yeah and i mean career progression is great if that's what you want, but you have to know that each role that you progress through will mean a different set of day-to-day tasks. And it's fine not to want to change that. If you found the perfect role for you, you're doing exactly what you want. I mean, stay there. Uh, it's There's nothing wrong. There's no, you're supposed to be progressing through this and this. I mean, it's many years too late for that. You're going to change companies. You're going to do weird career changes. If you found something that makes you happy and you make enough money to live comfortably, stay. Yeah, I mean, that's good advice if I've ever heard it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the grass isn't always greener. It's just a different Absolutely. shade of green. Mm-hmm. Have companies been um, happy to let you do that, though? Or have you found like there's been kind of a pressure to try to get people to um advance further and and kind of go up to that next role rather than staying as you know if you're at a senior level are they trying to push you to to take on more responsibilities or um are they kind of happy to let you you almost coast at the level that you you want to be at i don't know i naturally progressed taking more responsibilities i mean i've stayed within the same title a few times and just kept doing more and more things that I found interesting and enjoyed. Uh, I've never really felt the pressure like, you have to take this promotion now, otherwise you're not allowed to look at these files. That doesn't seem like a thing that happens. No, but I, you know, I I have seen where, uh, and I think that those that's more at like the levels below senior where, you're kind of like it where there seems to be this kind of attitude that if you're not like progressing then you're stalling and i think you should be okay to like you say like as long as you're fulfilling what is expected of you and you're doing doing those things and delivering to that quality you should be okay not to like you know push further um and i think sometimes maybe uh, there's a, like a natural, you know, I, I've, you know, felt that way as a, as a manager sometimes where I just feel like, well, I should be motivating this person to go f- further, but that's not really up to me either. Like I can't, I, I shouldn't force anyone to do that or make them feel like, you know, why aren't you pushing to get that next promotion? Uh, I think there's a, a certain like, path at the start of your career where you as long as you do your job you will get you know promoted up the ranks to a certain point but then to get past that then you need to like you know maybe 
take more responsibility and ownership and uh, you know look beyond what you yourself are doing and then think more about the team not necessarily in a lead capacity but just you know have have a bigger impact essentially on on your craft or on your team or on the project uh, and as as you as you climb in seniority that expected level of impact and how broad that level of impact uh, should be it that just increases so you know when you're super senior then you know you, you're expected to have an impact on on maybe the entire company and not just you know what you uh, are doing in in particular so but i think yeah i think maybe maybe as as managers we can we can feel like we should push people more than than Maybe people uh, at least show that they want to be pushed, but I think you know we should respect that uh, as long as someone is doing what what they're being paid to do, then that's okay. Um, not everyone wants to mm. have a career, and not everyone wants to you know put in extra effort um, when they're just fine with the level that they're on. Uh, but then, then of course you can't then also have the cake and eat it and expect like why am I not getting promoted? Well, it's like well you know yeah. It's putting one and one together, essentially. Yeah, that that's the key thing there, really. We have a very different setup, though, and I absolutely love it. Uh, we don't have leads. I think we have a couple of seniors somewhere, uh, <laughs> but we only have um, responsibility areas. Like, if you're a director, you are managing a large, a really large chunk of the game. Like, you're the art director of the project. That's fine. But I mean, then we're just artists and coders working on the project. Um, but I think that works for us because um, the average experience, uh, average years of experience is probably north of 10 years. So we're all fairly senior already. So we don't really have that pursuit of, ah, I need to advance. I need to go to the next level. It's just, we want to make cool stuff. And that's what we do. But that... I guess depends on the project as well, right? Or I guess projects or whatever the hell the company's doing, right? I don't know if you if you find that the the current project you guys are working on is lends itself really well to what you guys just want to do. Just like, hey, just want to make some really cool stuff. Um, but I guess for a more seasoned, like 20, 30 year company, you know, they they have that process, that machine that churns out the game. And people have uh, their very specific roles in that machine, right? Uh, do you find mm -hmm. that that that's the case? Where, like, uh, say at Embark, you guys are just really enjoying yourselves making a really cool game, whereas maybe at Ubisoft, you're you have a very specific role to ship this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, we do make games very differently from others, so it, this, what we're doing wouldn't work for everyone. So uh, I totally get what you're saying. But I'm just saying that it doesn't have to be the factory style of progression. Yeah. Uh, games don't have to be made that way. Sure. So I was going to uh, just jump back to something that we mentioned a bit earlier. Um, what you're saying about how career paths can branch and uh, it's not necessarily that you have to go into a more managerial or lead role, that you can also go towards something like um, an advanced artist or a, a principal artist. Um, and I think obviously roles and stuff differ studio to studio and that can be confusing in and of itself but kind of um there is a sort of wider generally accepted 
career track um, that goes through. Uh, so I guess it'd be cool to kind of just touch on on what that kind of looks like or, or what in your experience that kind of has looked like um, going from, say, a junior to, you know, towards a lead or a junior towards perhaps a principal. Where, where does that kind of uh, take a person through? Um, what are kind of the steps and, and the different tiers within that? And perhaps what, what do those represent um, in a concise way? <laughs> I can I can go through what because uh, at Ubisoft we had a, a huge matrix of responsibilities and what people do at the different tiers and all of that sort of thing. Uh, so it was really nice to have in the yearly reviews when you had to review people uh, and you knew exactly what you're comparing them against. Uh, I I found that a bit awkward, but it was convenient. So junior or graduate is just straight in, uh, no shipped games experience required uh, you don't have any years in the industry well you can have years in the industry but after about two years or something like that you should probably be uh, looking at an intermediate or i mean these the names of the titles are so weird Inter- intermediate that sounds like a difficulty level <laughs> but yeah something like that uh, or just artists if that's that's your cup of tea um and you do that for another couple of years, like at around six, seven years, maybe start looking at senior. I'll take myself as an example. Hit that after four, so it varies wildly. <laughs> uh, again, I did drop down to associate again. So, um, but after senior, that's where the branching starts to happen. Where you go to management side, or if you go to what Ubisoft called the expert side, but that is usually around. 12-ish years of experience. I mean, these are just guidelines. Uh, I can't remember the actual numbers, but it's somewhere around there. And the responsibilities follow kind of what you would expect. Like a junior is not expected to coach anyone. They're supposed to follow instructions and deliver good content, but they're not supposed to know the best practices of how how do we ship this game or how do we handle this cert bug that came from, from nowhere? Um, whereas intermediates and seniors are supposed to help the ones below them in seniority, like give them feedback, guide them, coach them, and stuff like that. And it just expands more and more. So once you're up at like uh, expert or uh, lead level, you are fully expected to take care of your team and be the one who sets the the benchmarks and, and implements the new fancy technique that someone at Sigruff came up with and make sure that that fits your game so the other people on your team can just get on with it. So it it does grow with the years, but the years is a good, I don't know, a hallmark, something something to anchor it to, but it varies a lot. So don't, don't get blinded by the years. Yeah, I've always found that putting years on positions is... It's a really, really, really rough guideline, especially it depends entirely on the person as well, right? You might get someone so motivated to, I guess, climb up the ladder. And so, you know, they really take their their job with a lot of energy and they might just in turn get rewarded earlier. You know, um, it, it's total, like that that guideline is really just there for demonstration purposes more than anything yeah. else. <clears throat> and, and Exactly. Like they... Uh, you know, it, it, 
I find that often they do kind of match in some way, shape, or form. But like you say, you know, I have worked with and uh, still work with some people who, like, if you looked at the, you know, the number of years expected and then you're, you know, uh, experienced and then you're expected to do this, people who just completely blow that out of the water and just, you know, do things that just staggers me in terms of taking responsibility and you know ownership and 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 showing that kind of maturity uh for someone who's you know nowhere near uh, the kind of like seniority level where that is what is to be expected so um but you still need those kind of guidelines as well i i suppose because uh one thing that i know that um it, it can be quite easy to kind of misinterpret with these when you have these kind of matrix um or matrices where you see you know these are all the roles you have and this is what's expected and that this is how long you should uh, have worked or whatever that you see that as like a checklist like oh i do this thing and i do that thing and i do this thing as well so i should be senior i should be principal and then maybe um, you only have a few years experience but it there's also the kind of like butt in seat uh sort of time as well like you need uh, you know just because you are you can say like i've if the matrix says you you should be holding art reviews or something and that's like yeah well i've hold i've held one art review or i do that's like yeah that's awesome uh, but it, there's also like the consistency behind it uh, so you can't measure it one to one like i've i've done you know, you you don't have like a shopping list of ingredients uh, where you're like, yeah, I do this and I do this and I do that. Give me my promotion. Like it doesn't necessarily work like that either. Um, hey, I have you been in on my like one-on-ones years years back <laughs> when I was a cocky bastard, feeling like, yeah, I'm I'm hot shit. I'm I'm doing all of this. Why why am I not like the president of the company? Yeah, well, I am the cocky bastard right now, so that's why I know so well about it. No, but I mean, I, I think it's it's very easy for for anyone to do that, where you think like like even uh, even though you know the imposter syndrome is is very real in our industry as it is in many others, um, uh, it can also be easy to kind of overestimate what you're doing because you see everything that you're doing but you don't see what everyone else is doing so you're like but i i do this thing and no one else seems to be doing that so why 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 aren't i you know on that same seniority level but it doesn't work like that and you can't compare yourself either to people like to others of course at a certain point maybe um, um you know people if people talk about salaries i think that's only a healthy thing uh we sh- you know should be a more open transparent culture about salaries um because that just helps the, both the company in the end and the the employees, but um, in, in comparing like achievements, I think it's very difficult, and it's a very like if you start staring yourself blind on that, you will only be unhappy. I think um, you just have to focus on you and what you do and what what kind of value you bring and what the impact that you have. Uh, that's the best way I think to go about it. Yeah, or you do what I do and swing wildly between imposter syndrome and thinking that you're the best artist in the world. Yeah, I think every artist does that to a degree. It's so good for the mental health, man. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's like I I do find this very like it's a very interesting topic because it's also something that is slightly like taboo in in 
many ways, like talking about like careers, talking about progression, talking about, you know, this whole thing. Um, so it's, I think it's very useful for people to just to have, maybe have someone that you can confide in. Hopefully that can be your manager. Um, if you can have that kind of open relationship to, to talk about things, um, you know, even I think that it should be, you should be able to just say like, you know, I'm unhappy with my salary and this is what, what I want to aim for next review or whatever. Um, and you, if you can have that open kind of conversation, then uh, I think it helps to set the right expectations because when you're kind of dancing around everything, then it just creates uncertainty. And that uncertainty is what ultimately is going to be, I think, one of the reasons why someone might leave because they get a definitive offer for some, from someone from someone else rather than the like, oh well, we'll see how well you do, and it depends on X and Y, and you know, keep working and we'll set new goals and and whatnot, and that's really frustrating. Uh, will be for anyone. So having been able to at least say like, this is what I want, and then you can say, well. This is what's tough realistic. Luck. Yeah, tough luck. Like <laughs> even if even if it is getting that answer, at least you know, because um, and and at least then and you can maybe explain why and and how how you can get there and you know explain the system and explaining the process behind it. Uh, at least that kind of transparency, I think, will uh, you know aid some of the otherwise uh, you know frustration that people might feel. So it's, do you think it's a hard thing to build that uh, comfort within the team as a manager? Like, because um, I, I think a lot of artists or I keep saying artists, but really it's the worker uh, are just intimidated by the higher positions by default. I think there's kind of in a lot of people's natures, right? Um, building that sort of comfort between the line manager and the worker to be able to just be like, hey, so I want more money and this is what I want. Like, what can I do? I think it's something that maybe is not a lot of companies do enough of. No. And I, I think it has to do a lot with, of course, you know, it's, 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 uh, far less about, you know, company culture. Well, I mean, maybe it is company culture because that then, you know, has a, a big impact, but I think it's, it's more, uh, the kind of individuals themselves, like both the, you know, artist and the manager or employee and manager in that kind of relationship that they feel comfortable enough uh, to to have that open conversation. And uh, sometimes, like, as someone who, who, you know, strives to have that transparency with the, the people that, that I work with, um, I'm not sure, I don't know how well I'm, I, I do that. Um, I hope, you know, it's not like if, if, if that does happen, that it's not, you know, something that people feel uncomfortable with, at least that's not been my experience. Uh, but rather it's like sometimes almost, you know, poking someone just to get a reaction, um, which maybe is a bit, you know, unorthodox, but, mm. uh, you know, poking the, the sleeping bear. Uh, but I'd rather someone, um, if, if, if I can maybe um, like a sense that there is, you know, unhappiness or, um, you know, someone is, is maybe not, not super uh, happy with their position or their compensation or whatever it can be, career progression, instead of, you know, because I'm one of those people that, you know, I find it so awkward to, to talk about this stuff. So I don't like ask for things. Uh, I don't demand things um, maybe as, as well as I should do. Um, 
or at least I think I should do uh, in the shower, like the next day. And like, I should have said this thing uh, during this meeting. Um, You're but being very Swedish. Yeah, like the, the shower thoughts, uh, but, you know, avoiding that confrontation because I hate confrontation. But then I, I I like to see it on behalf of the people that I work with. Uh, of course, being a manager and having those conversations, sometimes it can be really, really tricky. Like, how do you explain to someone like, you know, there is a thing like market rates and you have like this is, you know, how all this stuff works. And, and people don't want to hear that because the only thing you, you hear is, you know, you're not paying me enough. Um, so the, regardless of the arguments, you still feel unhappy about it. So, But then at least the more you, you talk about it, the more you try and explain, the more you try and give concrete examples of like how do you reach that level or what do you need to do? Um, I think people, st you know, you, you get a trust for both the manager, but also that there is a system. Like it's not just a roll of the die and then like, oh, you get 10%, you get 1%. Um, you know at least that's my experience like transparency yeah i think i think that's quite important and it goes really both ways it goes from the manager to the worker and to the from the worker to the manager too to just be able to just be like even if it's something simple like oh man this is going on in my life and i kind of just want to open up about it about it a little bit because it's really messing in my head right like that building that helps build that relationship as well um, but I guess that that's putting a lot of faith in people to just be quite open because I'm man, I'll, I'll talk to people about stuff, right? I, I don't mind, but you know, I know a lot of people that are really, really quite private. So it kind of, that kind of relationship start, is a lot more of a cautious one. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to build, but I think it's quite important to try and be open about things with your manager as much as you can. And not just about money. I mean, when I was at Ubisoft a couple of years ago, some crap happened happened in my life. So I was quite deep into what was beginning to become a, like a full-blown depression. So I brought that up with my manager and they helped me get in contact with a good therapist and just get that help and support that I needed. I didn't need money at that point. I didn't need promotions. I yep. needed support and that's exactly what they provided. So it's so important to have that relationship with them. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Like, I don't think you have much to lose. Uh, or, you know, I, I, I suppose it can feel that way before you open up that, you know, you're losing your privacy, or maybe you think you might be losing respect of, of your from your manager, or, you know, you maybe worry that something will, you know, details about your whatever kind of personal situation you're going through that that will come out to others or it will impact your, uh, your you know, your career overall. Like, can I show, can I, can I, is it okay to say to my manager that I can't do this or this is too much? Will that hurt me in the long run? Or like, will, will it, uh, is it better just to kind of, you know, push on and then hope that everything, you know, sorts itself out? Uh, I think that is probably something that, many people have you know the thoughts that people a lot of people have had like should i say something and like no i'm not sure this this would be uncomfortable like i, I don't see i would gain anything by by being open about this um but i i really think uh you you stand to to benefit a lot from doing that um because like you say you can get a lot of you know support and resources that you otherwise 
otherwise might not have thought about or even knew existed but but mostly i think it's about you know understanding so that your you know your manager knows how how you're doing then your you know you can kind of tailor your work situation to to be as non-invasive in that you know whatever is going on in your life uh, yeah uh, as well and like you know otherwise to keep it from uh, spiraling out of control um because I think that's, you know, when it comes to like burnout and stuff like that, I think that's one of the most like common, you know, common signs where, where like a very common where you just think like, no, this is like, I'm not being burnt out. I'm just stressed. And I just, you know, the solution to the stress is just to do more work. Uh, and you, you end up just digging yourself deeper and deeper and deeper down in that hole. And in the end, like at the end of it, it's like going to be even more difficult to get out of it. So the sooner you start flagging things, um, both professionally or personally, I think um, I think that's good. And that comes back to the expectations again, because there is I, at least I had always had the feeling of I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be handling things this way. I'm supposed to be progressing this way. Screw that. I mean, there there's no guide for how to have a full on game career. People have barely started retiring from this industry. It's that young. I mean, they're screw the expectations. Do what makes you feel good and what makes you happy. Yeah. Oh man, that that advice though it it it's it's such a classic advice, but it really applies. Like, just do what makes you happy, man. Because yeah, and and the fact that like your career is so long, <laughs> you know, and. I've always been like, I need to have everything worked out and mapped out. And, you know, I, I compare myself so much to, to others, like, and I, I, I don't really, like, I've never been that kind of, you know, jealous person, but damn, do I like compare myself to my peers and like, you know, Ooh, how, how, how old is that person? How much have they achieved by this age? Um, but I know I need, I need to just let that go because it's really unhealthy because everyone's circumstances are different um uh you know so even though and and then and, and also like the the uh, like the length of your career if you want to have a full on career you need to take better care of yourself and you know have that kind of work life balance um but then also if you think you know if you're in your mid 20s or whatever when you start working in games um i don't know maybe that's a, a an okay average age or early 20s even then what you have like 40 almost 45 years uh until like normal uh, standard retirement that's a long time uh a lot of years to figure yourself out or do something differently or try new things or get promoted or uh, i don't know whatever you want to do i think it's human nature right to compare yourself to one another it's just so ingrained into like who we are i think the strength comes within like from uh, acknowledging that it's wrong or not wrong but like acknowledging that you shouldn't and moving on but i think it's inevitable for people to compare themselves to one another can i segue there because yeah I'll, I'll close segue away because <laughs> <laughs> i mean com- with comparing yourself with others uh something i did a lot was compare myself to the people like a few years behind me because it was a race for me for a long time like yeah I, i've learned how to do this technique i know how to do this thing 
and, and then a student comes out and yeah, he doesn't even know how to do that thing yet. Oh my God. <laughs> and you try to like keep your secrets because you've, you've gotten over the hump of learning the new Oh, that's a topic that. right there. <laughs> Man, just realize that the people coming after you are always going to become better than you at some point. Help them on the way and they might bring you along. I mean, yeah. I spend so much time trying to help people trying to become effects artists because there are so many super talented, super clever people coming out right now, like straight out of universities doing stuff I can't even imagine. If I can help them do something that will bring their art and the art of the industry forward, I've succeeded. I mean, I've already gotten to a place where I'm doing things that I really enjoy. I'm perfectly fine letting someone else you know, push on and be the next speaker at SIGGRAPH or GDC. I mean, if I have a, a little hand in that, that's just gravy. Mm. It, I can't stand the nature in the games industry of keeping your secrets of the trade, right? Like, oh, I'm good because of this and I'm going to keep that, right? I think a lot <laughs> of people do that. And man, it's just a worst yeah it's really silly like i can tell no one about this checkbox that when you press this check <laughs> tick this checkbox it just makes your art amazing like don't tell anyone like hide it like if i'm sharing screenshots i need to photoshop that one out uh what checkbox no like i i, I totally agree and and luckily like i haven't seen it too much but i uh, you know i have uh, seen it and what to me the coolest thing about this industry is like this like what we're doing right now and that this spawned from just like us chatting in the community and that you know some people i guess um, uh, you two uh, and and others put together and just shared knowledge and like hey let's let's get people who are interested in this thing and they want to become better, let's put them in the same place and let's just, you know, share what we know, share our experiences completely. No one is like, yeah, well, you know, I, I charge hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a, an empty slot next Tuesday, you know, none of that stuff, but like just, you know, but I mean, that's sh sharing too. opinion. Cause I mean, if I, uh, uh, when I was freelancing, I could do like small group mentoring that's that's fine and I, I would charge for that but for things like uh, responding or helping someone in a public channel where more people can uh, take part of it that's i think that's just good but the whole like charging for mentoring that's completely fine that, that's yeah 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 totally right like yeah, you're the... you're charging for you're not charging to give them the knowledge. Like you're not mm. charging because you want to keep the knowledge unless people pay you. You're charging because you, you know, it's tuition. It's like, yeah, it's different. It's an, obviously not its own career, career per se, but like it's it just be. hard. It can be yeah. exactly. It's just a different thing, I suppose. Yeah, and I, and I suppose like in many many ways, like you you would be completely within your rights to um, charge for that because it's. You know supply and demand um yeah but I, I i yeah i think it's just it's really nice how how this industry is like and even when someone does charge for like a mentorship mentorship it's not like um you know it's it's still done in a very i think inclusive way um and yeah just, i just 
I like that. It's very, it's very open and transparent community, uh, and yeah. a community that strives to constantly improve and uh, like find the next cool way of doing something, and then sharing that, and then that becomes the new standard uh, that everyone strives towards, and then you build upon that, and then you take the next leap. Um, yeah. Like, man, we're making video games. Like, just <laughs> it's not like you're a some doctor who's you know, discovered some cure for pharmacy technology thing that's going to, you know, cost the company billions. I don't know, man. (laughs) Yeah, but you got a point. Doctors really should keep their secrets. They should. (laughs) No, but like at the end of the day, like we're we're in a career where we're just here to, I think a lot of us anyway, we're here to have some fun. um, We're making entertainment. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. I mean, we not, might not be the best at doing it. Someone out there is going to take something forward. Uh, why not join them? If I mean, can't beat them all, I guess. Hmm. <laughs> There's the competitive side coming coming through. Yeah, if you I know what you mean. <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. Then beat them from within. I guess the only person you're really competing with is yourself to try and be where you want to be. Yeah. I don't know where I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I'm still too young. Hell, I thought about the other day when my father was my age, he built a house. That's madness. Better get on that then. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Be- I better sp- start gathering the wood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I make fires for a living. Yeah. I, I saw that, uh, that meme on Twitter, the, my parents at 25. We should oh, yeah. do a mortgage. Me at <laughs> twenty five. Why does this UV map look stretched? And then, <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I know. Like every generation, you go through that, and you think, like, you know, what were my parents doing at my age? And I'm sure they were much more like adulty. Uh, but then, you know, I think they were already past that. UV mapping. Map exactly. They were just using UDIMs instead, uh, straight away. So but no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's it, it is. Uh, the the kind of thing where what 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 does motivate you um and those are you know some of the which i think to some extent like you know a lot of companies have these where you know uh, either it's by hr or uh, your manager where you know we have these kind of development plan tools and i think at first glance they can look like why do i need you know you may be thinking like why do i need to do this and it you know why why do i need to read uh, write this down what what possible use could it have but then when you know most of these they have like one of those questions where it's like what motivates you like what what makes you get up in the morning and do a good job what makes you think like this is what i want to keep doing yeah Uh, coffee number one and then hopefully it should be something else and you know trying to actually think about that but and then also think about the things like the 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 antidotes or like what demotivates you like yeah I, i hate it when this happens or this these kind of things make me really demotivated. I um, hate when doctors cure the pharmacies. Yeah, that's <laughs> horrible. Uh, poor pharmacies. Um, so you know, I think I think it can be quite useful, like to actually like write that stuff down yourself. Like even how, how redundant you, you you may feel it is, it, you probably will discover. Like you, you, when you start thinking about it more critically, um, you can actually 
find some things that you you kind of probably had in your head, uh, but just had it put on paper. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> even if you want to like just keep a diary of things that you know motivate you and don't just just do it man you know whatever helps you and then that that does help to put that stuff down even if you're not directly talking to someone about it at least you're just acknowledging it i guess it comes from being able to acknowledge the things that make you happy and unhappy i mean this can turn very like philosophical very quick um i find but yeah it, it, it is it is like it is philosophy at the end of the day, um, or it's it's very philosophical anyway. It's life. It's life. It's a journey. Do what makes you happy and work towards more happy. Yeah. More happy coins. I'm so happy that that's the advice we got to after talking <laughs> for, an for hour. an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> it's the most cliche thing I've ever the heard. The TTLR. Be we'll happy. put some really, really nice '80s music in the background, like super motivating as well. Yeah, but I mean, I, 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 and I'm sure, like, this is what everyone has been saying for so long, and it's the same kind of advice you you give when it comes to like fitness and 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 all of that stuff. But and it's so cliche, like the whole like do what makes you happy, but it's cliche because it's true as well. Like there is a lot of truth in doing that. And I think, you know, we're so used to seeing all these kind of career guides and like podcasts um, talking about this stuff that it becomes like, you just see it everywhere and it becomes so saturated with these, you know, um, you know, advice, uh, you know, I don't know, slogans, but, you know, yeah, advice. And then you just feel like, yeah, everyone's saying this, but, I don't know, can't really be true when you just, you, you stop really thinking about what it means. Um, and but so... I think on top of that, we're, we're in an industry, industry that's quite small, like really, really small. And it's also an industry where people really push themselves to the edge. You know, like a lot of people have breakdowns, uh, maybe, uh, you know, some companies exploit their workers, whatever. But I think it's, it's an industry where there that advice is very much needed a lot of the time. So I think it's important to just re remember that from time to time. Yeah. No one cares in 20 years what you did like yesterday. It's I, I find that sort of thing helps me because everything seems so important right now. Like I need to deliver on this thing or, or everything is going to fall apart. I don't know what, what I ate for breakfast two weeks ago. Uh, no one's going to remember what you did 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Right. On that, we should probably get on with some Patreon questions. I was going to, yeah, that was going to be my segue just then. Um, you got you're welcome. Segwayed. <laughs> segwaying, segwaying as into it. Okay. Um, let's grab. Okay, so we have one here from Andre, and um, he's got two questions, but I'm only going to let him have one. So um, I'm going to go with the first one, which is, so he's saying that, uh, what advice would you have for someone who's uh, in their 40s, but I guess this applies to anyone who's looking to get into the games industry later in life, looking to kind of pivot careers into 3D from something else, whilst trying to juggle a full-time job, pay the bills, study in their free time, and gain experience whilst it seems like all the 
entry level stuff is aimed at, at, at much younger people. Stop sleeping. No, I mean great advice. Next question. Extra <laughs> <laughs> eight hours a day, you can get. Yeah. yeah. This one trick will shock you. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, and give you hallucinations as well. Yeah. No. Uh, realize that you have time. It doesn't have to happen right now. Uh, you're in your 40s. You still have, what, two decades left before even starting to think about retirement? I mean, we're going to work until we're 90 at this point anyway. So you you have time. Just calm down. You'll you, you get to the level where you need to be. And don't forget that you already have experience from being alive longer than the kids coming in with super hot portfolios. So you yeah, you've have already learned those life lessons, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's one question down. Well, there you go, Andre. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, um, let's grab another one. So we have one from Damien who has asked if uh, if you guys could give your younger self one tip, um, one sort of career tip, what would that be? If you could get in that little time machine, go back. Change so. careers. No, I was just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Don't do it. Run. <laughs> Run. Become a doctor or a civil engineer instead. No, I don't know. That's a good question. But I mean, like, like I'm not even that old, so I don't know. It feels like really weird to be like, hmm, I wish, like, you know, feels really, um, feel, feels a bit silly to, to dispense that advice. But, um, I, I, or maybe like something that I have noticed that I think is, you know, um, kind of interesting. And, and that is to maybe not look at like only, because I think th- there is this, uh, perception that own like the, game developers are only the people actually submitting stuff into the build like programmers or uh, designers or artists but there are so many like jobs in games that people don't think about when they think about like game development and so it doesn't like not not to say that i would have done that differently i probably would have done exactly the same thing because you know I, I love my job um but I think it's also, you know, easy to like only think about like it's like you have to be one of these people. Um, but there are so many interesting other kind of careers within games that could be super rewarding if, uh, you know, you you've tried them. Uh, so maybe that would be um, something to tell my younger self. For me, it's easy. Stop fucking whining. Oh my god, <laughs> that that was mine. That's literally mine. I was so whiny and stressed out about. I need to do all these things. I need to know this now. I need to learn all of the things. Just calm down. Damn, <laughs> can you give yourself a heart attack? Yeah, just like don't just relax, right? Just <laughs> just take it one step at a time. Don't it's get so be frustrated. Okay. Yeah, if, if if you can't do something that you know, and you need more time or whatever, just just it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Let's work it out. Hey, listen, we'll work it out. It'll yeah. be fine. I like that advice better, actually. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, take mine back. Hey, no yeah, retconning. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm taking mine back. So if I can just finish here, yeah, it's gonna be that thing. Less whining. 
there I said. <laughs> we'll edit it and post so that it yeah. makes it seem awesome. like I said that. Awesome. So that we everyone said it. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll go this is a we'll go with one last question, but this is a specific one for Glad because we oh, we, we never have FX <laughs> no. So um Pixel has asked, with advancements made in tech art in the last five to ten years for VFX, where do you see real-time effects going in the future? More bags of tricks and more specialized tools like slate, vertex, animation, textures, etc.? Yes. Perfect. Yeah, and thanks it. very much for coming to <laughs> the no EXP problem. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he seems to have his finger on the pulse. Um there, there are so many things that are happening. A lot of our tools will remain the same because consoles evolve very slowly. So we will be using sprites in 10 years. But what we put on those sprites might change. Like we might be starting to look at fluids, um, 2D at first, and stuff like that. So it won't happen super quickly, but it will happen. And when it comes to tools, it's already started to happen. Some specialized things coming, like slates and Embergen are like built for us, which is a first because game VFX artists don't get tools. That's just a rule of nature. Uh, so it's it is happening because we're starting to have the performance to actually take some more room. But it is it's not going to be it's not going to be overnight. So don't worry about learning everything right now. Just st- stick with it, and <laughs> it will happen gradually. Well. It's time for the Luan question of the podcast. It is Luan's bonus is question. Bonus what is it this question. month? Well, you see. <laughs> you see. I've been thinking about food a lot. I and, it was going to be at pharmacies. And uh, I've been thinking about pharmacies a lot as well. <laughs> and now nah, I, I want to know what you guys, what your best food that you've had in quarantine has been. Glad, starting with you. You've been picked out. Oh, crap. Um, food. I, I miss food. Mm. Um, best food is probably the pasta from the pasta place right next to me. Uh, unfortunately, that made me super fat. So I would have probably say Huel because it's super quick. And... You know what? I like Huel. <laughs> oh my god! Super quick, no. and I don't have to bother, and I don't get super fat from it. There was a there was a time in the office a couple of years ago where like half the environment team was all drinking heel in the yeah, office for I mean, like a month. It's still um, my work lunch. It's so simple. And you put that vanilla stuff in it, it tastes good. Dude, tastes they good. have so many flavors now. Oh, the, <laughs> the chocolate cherry um, in the salted caramel. Mm. Don't make me subscribe again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like my subscribe. Cup. Yeah, when that thing came out, I was like, this is amazing. And I just thought, like, how much time can I save by not having to cook anything ever again? All of it. And it All and of it's the just time. Be, I'm going to save so much money. I'm just going to drink Huel like, for every single meal. And then, yeah, it didn't turn out that well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we all know like this, what that means yeah this isn't star trek like it doesn't work like that yet uh, but it is cool like i think huel is like it's it's really interesting uh it's super like it's it feels very sci-fi that we actually have you know these products where you you like have these meal replacements but also it f- kind of feels kind of sad and uh, that, that's like if this is not made of people no <laughs> okay Favorite meal, Huel. Awesome. 
What about yours, Michael? Um, well, in case my <clears throat> wife listens to this podcast afterwards, uh, I'm going to say it's probably something that she's cooked because uh, she's a really great cook. Um, but it, which sounds really, you know, dorky, I know. But um, yeah, she, probably like something homemade. Yeah, <laughs> <In a sample. laughs> I don't know. Like, like, yeah, we eat so much food. Uh, like, that's the thing. Like, not that we stuff our faces every night, but like, like we do a lot of cooking. So it's been a lot of exploring. Uh, like, we bought a, a, a sous vide machine. Oh, um, yeah, like I got one for like, I think last Christmas. Uh, and I mean, those are awesome. Um, and we watch lots of MasterChef as well. Like every night, we're just watching, binge watching MasterChef. Is like, oh no, I need, we need to do like some kind of weird ice cream and honeycomb. So we bought like an ice cream machine uh, the other night. Uh, so this is awesome. Um, so probably, like, I, I like the fact that it's been more, even more homemade stuff uh, during the pandemic because, like, we don't go out to restaurants anymore. No, uh, restaurants come to you now. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think it's good that people like uh, people are are doing more home cooking because you can you can tell on your you know your social media that people are like oh this is awesome like we can actually be making pasta or doing I don't know ice cream. I had a coworker that became obsessed with tiramisu and he like became this tiramisu chef every day he would like send me different tiramisu recipes. It was uh, hey, yeah, some of them are good. Some of them are pretty good. I thought it was just one, like tiramisu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like every <laughs> everyone uh, does it a little bit differently. Like this one is, uses the egg like this, and it's a little bit fluffier, and you know, you just try different things. Yeah. <laughs> and tiramisu is not a particularly <laughs> complex dessert anyway, but but it uh, is tasty. It tastes good. Yeah. yeah. Well, so how about you guys? And for me, all right. So I started making these pastries. I have every every few Wednesdays. Um, and it was a recommendation of my coworker who like uh, I hang out with a lot. He just like lives on uh, in the same apartment building, and he, every now and then we share a few recipes. And it's this really kind of interesting phyllo pastry with like this Australian uh, super mishmash recipe, and it's just delicious. It's got this like this like cream cream cheese inside. It's got like ham. It's got some veggies. It's really nice. I love it now. That was that was my uh, quarantine like best food oh we also like go on like these burger offs where we just tried to make different burgers and make them better um i've eaten a lot of burgers <laughs> in the past <laughs> year that we've been in quarantine uh that's me tim well considering all of quarantine's basically just blurred into one day uh, yeah, yes. i'll just have to like pick whatever i can remember yeah. um uh, I'm probably going to go with the, the kebabs that I had last night just because it was really cold. We walked down to the kebab van and the the guy it's who the runs it is really nice. The and he, he, he was, British thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he, gave, he gave me, he offered me a cup of tea for free. Didn't charge me for the cup of tea. So there we go. That's, Aww, that's why. Now. Look at that. Just because, yeah. I love he's it. He's a nice, nice man. And, and really, it was more the human contact than the food really because... I've only seen like one other person for what's that? For months. <laughs> everyone's just a disembodied voice. Yeah. Right now, everyone's a cat on Zoom. That's true. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah. Well, I guess that concludes EXP podcast number. What is it? Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Cool. What are we um, about? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, cats and Zoom. I think. Yep. Um, well, thank you very much, guys, for uh, joining us to to talk about. Uh, the Cats and Zoom on the Cat and Zoom podcast. Pleasure. Um, <laughs> and thanks to Luanne for helping helping host. Uh, if you guys listening in want to check out more EXP stuff, head on over to the website, um, read some of the articles, or come join us on Discord. A uh, great place to, to share your work and get feedback, or to, uh, to even get more career advice in our career advice channel. Um, but on that note, until next time, take care, everyone. See ya. Back to the studio. Bye.